When Jolie Sifakapka started teaching at the Christian Bilingual University of Congo, there were only six female staff members there, and none of them were teaching. The perception of women is that their work is only in the family to become wise for their husbands and mothers for their children, and uh, just to cook food at home. Jolie became the first female national staff member at UCBC to start teaching. But even as she set this milestone, she continued to grapple with fears and doubts. It was very difficult because some of the students and also staff members would say, is she going to, to succeed? Does she really know what she wants to do? I'm Chris. And I'm Christy. We're two college students sharing the stories of overcomers around the globe who love God and love others. On today's episode, we'll hear about how Jolie grew up in war-torn Congo and eventually became an econ instructor. We'll also hear about how she's empowered other women through her example. And we'll hear about the work of UCBC in training a generation to renew and transform Congolese society. This is about a woman taking an audacious step of faith. This is about God planting hope in a ravaged country. This is Two Coins. Today, Jolie lives in Beni, a city in the North Kivu province in the eastern region of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. In a photo shared with Simple Charity, Jolie wears a bright red vest over a striped blouse. She gestures at a whiteboard that's covered with blue letters. Jolie now serves as the coordinator of advanced studies in the International Partnership Program at UCBC. UCBC is established and run by Congo Initiative, a charity that seeks to advance the kingdom of God in the Congo by transforming education, the economy, the justice system, and other areas of society. A Simple Charity intern, Matthew Brigg, had the opportunity to talk with Jolie. You might hear his voice occasionally. (laughs) Jolie's come a long way from her troubled childhood. She grew up in Bunya, a city in eastern Congo. During the war period, she and her family had to leave their home and travel to other villages where they were treated terribly. At the eastern part of DRC, we really suffered war and devastation. Many former friends and neighbors, they fled their homes. We also fled from our home uh, and my family. Many people were discouraged because when they saw their relatives are being killed and their homes being looted, they could not even provide for their basic needs. So it had affected the social and economic aspect of the the country, and then uh, there was poverty all over. War, poverty, sickness. Life is desperate for so many in the Congo. Through these challenges that we are facing, security, trauma, epidemic, and everything, people have lost hope. They have completely lost hope. And um, uh, most people were praying at the beginning and asking God to intervene. But now that is taking long time, people are, are now being discouraged and saying God is not hearing us anymore and um, that we can do anything we want because this can uh, happen anytime to us. The rebels can come anytime to our home and then kill us and that will be it. 
But even in these really difficult circumstances, Jolie managed to finish high school and began her search for a university where she could get her undergrad degree. UCBC popped up on her radar. So I first heard of the, the university from my dad when I wanted to continue with my bachelor's, with my studies. So my dad told me that there is a university in Beni and they are offering the programs that you want to pursue. So if you want, you can just go and work there. Jolie enrolled in UCBC and soon she fell in love with the university's unique pattern of education. Most organizations and also universities here in our DRC context, they don't focus more on uh, the holistic part of the person. They just focus on the intellect, not focusing on um, his faith, on um, the work, the service. But Congo Initiative focuses on the holistic part of someone. For this episode's Crash Course, I had the privilege of speaking with Colin Rogers Gates, who is the Executive Director of Congo Initiative USA from 2014 to 2020. He shared about the vision and impact of UCBC. Congo Initiative, as you might know, has a broad scope of impact in Congo. The most significant institution that's part of Congo Initiative is the Christian Bilingual University. Uh, it's also known as UCBC for short. And one of the ways that we've seen CI impact Congolese society is through our uh, graduates. We now have over 650 alumni who are wow. scattered across Congo, East Africa, and even further beyond. Huh. One of the impacts is that UCBC alumni, because of our uh, training with them, education, they have a completely different conception of leadership than the prevailing huh models uh, in Congolese society and, and in much of Africa, you know, the traditional concept of a leader being a powerful person who unfortunately usually prioritizes taking care of his own family, tribe, clan over the common good. And UCBC graduates are trained to think critically, but also they're ethically shaped during their uh, education. And they're shaped by initiatives at UCBC like service learning, creation care, an emphasis on gender equality, um, integration of Christian faith, and problem solving, and in service. In Congo, university students are interestingly uh, known to be troublemakers <laughs> in many ways. Um, and part of that is because there's this notion that when you get to university, it's very much about prestige. And so there's often this kind of distorted perspective that, well, once you get to university, you can kind of do whatever you want, um, you know, because yeah. you're part of the elite. And since so many people in a place like Congo are unable for various reasons to study at university, for UCBC students to be out cleaning the streets, doing all sorts of service learning projects, teaching high school students how to use computers, they model a very, very different type of university student, but more importantly, they are learning how to lead with a service uh, mentality. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Jolie mentioned a lot about how it's like so focused on transformation, both within the people involved, like the students, and then having that transformation on like wider society too. And could you speak a little bit to 
what the biblical principles or sort of like the theology behind UCBC? Sure. Yeah. There's, there's four or five things that I would highlight, Chris. One is our theme verses from Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. God is speaking, you know, through, through Isaiah to his people who are in exile. And he's talking about basically bringing them out of the desert, bringing them out of the wasteland that he's going to make a way. He's going to make streams in the desert. The, the key phrase is, see, I am doing a new thing. And so mm. um, Congo was completely devastated at the end of the civil wars in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. And every aspect of Congolese society um, had been affected um, by, by the war and prior to that by exploitation, colonization, and all of that. And so one of the undergirding truths that drives our work and our mission is that God is doing a new thing in one of the most improbable places on earth. Um, I often tell our, our board and our staff here in the U.S., you know, we are so fortunate because we get to be a part of really an unfolding miracle in Eastern Congo. You know, Colossians 1 and 2 Corinthians 5, God is reconciling all things, all things in Christ. I love the end of, I think it's the third verse of joy to the world. It says, he comes to make his blessings known. And then there's this phrase, far as the curse is found. And if you, if you follow the logic of that, that's, that's pretty extreme. As far as the curse is found in a place like Congo, you see the curse in, in so many different ways. But God is reconciling all things. And so that grand holistic vision of God's reconciling work drives what we do. Um, also, this idea um, from 1 Corinthians 1, that God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the wise, or the weak to shame the strong, the foolish to shame the wise. You think about when people heard, you know, about Jesus of Nazareth, and they say, you know, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And that's, that's a, a bit like how we think of Benny. Um, it's stuck way up there in the northeast corner of the country. Can anything good come out of Benny? That's where all the fighting is, you know. And, um, and we believe that absolutely, yes. You know, a lot of people ask David and Kaswara Kasali, who founded CI, you know, why are you in Benny? Why aren't you in the capital city? Or why aren't you in a bigger, bigger place? And, you know, it's pretty easy to answer because it's, it's basically to say that's where the need is. One other thing I'll mention on this question, Chris, is, the mutuality and the reciprocity of the body of Christ is, uh, is a really powerful theological truth for us. This isn't just uh, people from the U.S. helping people in Congo. We don't think this is just a one-way street, but we really believe um, in the mutuality of that. Just as we are able to, say, raise money and share financial resources, so we ourselves are changed and we learn all sorts of things from our Congolese brothers and sisters. And so there's this, this emphasis on being together, side by side, hand in hand. And there's a phrase that we use that captures this. It's tuko pamoja. And tuko pamoja is a Swahili phrase that means together we are. And that's just become a very powerful kind of like a motto or a mantra for us. Um, we often sign our emails to each other, uh, tuko pamoja. We also are sharing that vision with our supporters and our donors throughout the U.S., um, helping them to see that, yes, we're, 
very much about Congo, but, but Congo is a platform for the discipleship of, of anyone who engages. Because Congo has so much to teach us about suffering and how do you walk through suffering as a Christian? Um, how do you practice lament? Particularly as Americans, I think we have so much to learn um, oh, yeah. <laughs> along those lines. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the mutuality of the body of Christ. Um, yeah, it's so powerful. And like that phrase, together we are, is so impactful. Uh, I think that's all the questions I have, but that was fantastic. It was really cool to hear about your work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. This was a, it was great to, to speak with you today. The goal of UCBC is to create a holistic, Christ-centered transformation in the lives of its students. The ultimate vision is that these transformed individuals are going to go on to transform the rest of Congolese society. Transformation is the center of all. If people are transformed socially, spiritually, then they will go out there and also transform the rest. In 2014, Jolie graduated from UCBC's Economic Science and Management Department with a specialization in financial management and accounting. She decided to attend graduate school in Nairobi, where she earned her master's in business and financial management. Then, Jolie actually returned to UCBC to teach as part of the economics faculty. It was a bold and countercultural decision in a country where women are expected to stay home and do domestic work. At the time, none of the female staff members at UCBC were teaching. But the rest of six women did not want to come out and go in classroom, teach classes, yet they had this capacity. They had this potential. So they, they were just working with finance, others in administration, etc. But not wanting to stand in front of students and, and teach them what they know, transfer the knowledge. Was it difficult being the first woman to teach at um, the university? How did you feel about that? Uh, it was it was very difficult and challenging. It was very difficult because some of the students and also staff members would say, "Is she going to to succeed? Does she really know what she wants to do?" So many people were having doubts, and uh, but of course, I had encouraging words from the leadership of Congo Initiative. As Jolie became the first female national staff member to start teaching, other women at the university took notice. So I was the, the first national female staff to even stand before students and uh, start teaching. That was something very encouraging, even for other women who were working with the Congo Initiative at that time. Because they say, oh, we thought that we are not allowed to, to teach. This, this work is just for men. They are the only ones who can be out there. They are the only ones who can teach and uh, so they can make decisions. But for us, we are here. Our level is uh, very low. We are here just to receive what they have to tell us. And then now we just execute. So it, it was a, a great motivation for them. Jolie's example has also inspired her students. So 
even some of my students, they come to me and say, we want to become teachers. We want to teach one day just uh, the way you teach. Jolie's decision to start teaching is part of Congo Initiative's broader goal of empowering women in the Congo. Congo Initiative and UCBC have this program called the Women's Voice, where they organize conferences to raise awareness about gender discrimination and to empower women in schools and in the local community. Their first conference drew people from Uganda, Burundi, Rwanda, and others from the Great Lakes region. We, we had full sessions uh, talking with those who attended the, the conference about the potentials that God has given to women so that they can also go, so that they can do everything that they are able to do. Here at UCBC, there is a focus on empowering women so that women can know that their voices can also be heard out there. Recently, Jolie and Congo Initiative organized a conference called Positive Masculinity with the goal of helping men better understand how they could play a role in empowering women. Now, not all the men were very receptive. Well, some men were like, no way, I cannot do that. (laughs) 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 This is for her, and uh, God created her so that she can do that. Why me? She has to cook food, she has to cook breakfast, and at the same time make sure that I have my breakfasts on time so that I am also on time at work or even uh, in church. So few men were not understanding and saying, no, you were trying to uh, change the way things are. But some of the men really took the message to heart. But at the end of it, we had a few men who agreed to be volunteers of uh, sensitizing other men even outside there in the community in positive masculinity because they thought it is something important and it's something that should be done. And if they don't do something about it, then um, others will not. I love how committed Jolie is to helping women in the Congo find greater economic and social opportunities. Jolie's following in the footsteps of a long line of strong women in the Bible. In this next segment, I'm going to be joined by Christy and Angela to discuss what we can learn from these women of God. Welcome to 3AM Theology. So right when you started talking about Jolie's story, I was reminded of how Jolie takes initiative. Yeah. Yeah, She takes initiative in being the first female professor. And so that actually reminded me of the story of Ruth and how she took Mm -hmm. initiative to stay with Naomi. So if we go to Ruth um, 1, 16 through 17, it says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So I think after Naomi had told her to go back to her people and worship her God, um, and that she wouldn't get um, a new husband if she stayed with Naomi, she was just like, I'm going to take initiative to serve Naomi and to love her in this way and to be faithful. There are a lot of opportunities for women to take initiative as followers of Christ. And we see that in Ruth in the Bible. Yeah, that's a great point. Mm. Yeah. Initiative and also just like risk. There's that element of, of sacrifice and risk that comes with that initiative. Yeah. Um, and Jolie took the risk of pushing against the norm and facing possible social rejection by becoming the first female staff member to start teaching. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting the Bible celebrates that risk taking in Ruth's story. It's not like the Bible portrays uh, like the ideal woman as someone who's very passive and just like accepting the decisions or leading of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the Bible also celebrates like submitting to God. It's like mm-hmm. Christmas time right now and thinking about Mary, she took the risk of agreeing to become the mother of God's son. Like, well, she didn't really have a choice. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, I don't know. She could have like argued more. She could have been something. mad about it. But she yeah. could have been mad about it. She could have like, yeah. <laughs> but, in, but instead, you know, she was like, "I'm." You know, the, you know the Magnificat, yeah. And she was like, she she sung praise to the Lord because of it. So I get your point. I was just, yeah. She said, "I'm the servant <laughs> of the Lord." Like, you will be the mother of the Son of God. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I mean, it's pretty just, like, wild and totally outside the realm of what anyone would think is normal. And she could have totally just lost all the respect she had in society. Well, and she didn't really know what it meant either at that point, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because in those passages, like, Mary's example is contrasted with the example of, or the story of Zachariah, where he's the one who doesn't, like... Arguably, he didn't really have a choice either, but he definitely was not uh, submissive in the way Mary was to the Lord's will. Yeah, I also just want to bring up the story of Esther because she's a pretty powerful woman in the Bible. Going back to this idea of risk, she took the risk of approaching King Ahasuerus. She was at first kind of scared, but she was like, if I perish, I perish. Because if anyone, even the queen, were to go to the king inside of his inner court without being called, the law said that they should be put to death, except for the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter. But the king held out his golden scepter to her, and eventually she's able to spare her people. So Tim Keller, in his book, Every Good Endeavor, tells us that it'd be a mistake for us as readers to just see Esther as an example to follow. If we were to be like, oh, I want to follow Esther's example, that ultimately is not going to last because Mm -hmm. that stems from a guilt mindset. Like I'm not good enough. I should be more courageous. I should be doing more. Um, And even like Jolie's students, honestly, at UCBC, who have been inspired by Jolie's example and want to become teachers, well, that's awesome. And it's a great place to start. Keller suggests that that will wear off unless there's something Mm -hmm. more. And so rather than seeing... Esther, as an example, we should see her as a signpost, a pointer to God. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the same with Jolie. Esther saved her people through, Keller says, identification and mediation. So she identified as a Jew. And then because she identified with them, she was then able to advocate on their behalf before the throne. And Jolie similarly identifies with the Congolese women and advocates for them, just like Jesus did for us. When he became human, he obviously identified with us. He didn't just do it at the risk of his own life, like Esther. He did it at the cost of his own life. And now he stands at the throne as the mediator for us, earning us favor before God the Father. Yeah, one thing that you said that was really interesting was when you talked about how even Jolie's students at UCBC, that kind of admiration for her is Mm -hmm. ultimately not sufficient from a Christian perspective. Because I think that's the difference between examples in the Bible and, and godly men and women versus just sort of like the hero worship of our culture, contemporary culture, Mm, because it's not just that these people are like superior. Like, in fact, the Bible 
emphasizes again, like what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I think even thinking about Esther, right? She wasn't someone who was groomed from a young age to be the queen. She was sort of just picked. And like, even though, yes, she had the beauty that that was uh, the reason that she was picked, but I think it was also that God was using those circumstances and like using her who is this ordinary Jewish girl to elevate her to this position where he could use her. It's interesting because the word God is never mentioned in the book of Esther, but I think it's like Mm -hmm. evidence that even when things look like there's no uh, clear signs of God's working, that God is actually orchestrating events and still working uh, through his sovereign power to accomplish his purposes. And I think it would be easy for someone like Jolie to think that because of all the conflict she's gone through, And because her country is in such a bleak situation, like she talks about how they've gone through an Ebola epidemic Mm -hmm. and uh, civil war, poverty, systemic inequalities, things like that, where women are treated so harshly, it would be easy to just look at that and and, uh, give in to despair. But I think like Esther, she embodies this sort of perspective that God is still working. And so she can take that kind of risk, trusting that God is going to still fulfill his purposes through her and in her. Mm-hmm. Despite her weaknesses. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing Keller talks about in, in that book in the same passage is how we should consider how we can serve God from the palace, whatever that looks like for each of us, our communities, our workplaces, for Jolie, her palace is UCBC, right? Mm. So it's, it's easy for us to root our identity in our position in the palace and just to take security in that. And that can prevent us from taking risks. But Keller says, God's given us so much. He calls us to put it into play, risking our place in the palace for our neighbors. Otherwise the palace owns us. And the way we do this is through grace, remembering that we didn't get to the palace uh, on our own accomplishments. It was given to us as a gift. And even Mordecai's comment to Esther before she goes and approaches the king, suggests this. He says, who knows, but that you've come into your royal position for such a time as this. Like Chris was saying that like God's been orchestrating things. And and Keller says that a better translation actually of that line is, who knows, but that you were not brought into your royal position because of this. You're being brought, it's passive voice. Um, Esther's beauty, her position as queen, her power, they were all given to her. And so she has a responsibility to use that for others. And this is very freeing for us as we consider how to serve the world with our influence and clout. And I think, you know, Jolie is definitely doing that, using her position as a female staff member to organize Mm -hmm. sessions and conferences and raising awareness about gender discrimination in the community in order to serve her neighbors. She does this even when it's risky. And in doing so, she follows in the footsteps of our Savior. Jolie's fully aware that UCBC and Congo Initiative are working to bring transformation to a situation that's incredibly bleak. I want just to talk in our context here, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly through many things that we are going through right now with insecurity and also uh, the Ebola epidemic, uh, uh, trauma, and uh, all these things. 
It can be easy to look at this desperate situation and to just give in to despair, Jolie says. But then Jolie remembers the work that Congo Initiative and UCBC are doing. In Isaiah 43:19, the Lord says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is doing a new thing in the Congo through the work of Congo Initiative, Jolie says. Congo Initiative is um, doing a new thing, which is something very positive. And people need to know that these kind of initiatives need to be encouraged because lives of people are changing and being transformed. And now people are starting to look at right directions of the way things should be. I would say it's very important for our churches right now to encourage the community with messages of hope. If hearing Jolie's story was impactful for you, I want to invite you to donate to Congo Initiative. Your giving will enable Congo Initiative to continue transforming individuals to bring about redemptive change in the Congo. One easy way to donate is through our website, simplecharity.org, which we've also linked on the podcast page. And if you loved hearing this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you rated us on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute, but it has a massive impact on bringing Jolie's story to more listeners. Before we close, I want to thank the people who made this episode possible. Jolie for sharing her story, Colin for explaining about UCBC, Matthew for conducting the interview, and Angela Tothic for editing, sound engineering, and illustrating. Gosh, it's hard to believe that this is our last full episode of season one. We've heard Claire's cries for deliverance from an Iranian jail. We've witnessed Chitra and Vanilla help burn victims find healing. We've learned about apologetics and a global church from John. It's been such a joy for me and Christy to take you along with us on this journey. And we're both looking forward to sharing more of these stories in season two. For now, stay tuned for our bonus episode, where Christy, Brian, Angela, and I are going to share what went on behind the scenes of season one what we've learned from telling these stories, and what to look forward to for season two. I'm Chris. And I'm Christy. And this is Two Coins.